Welcome back to All Car Radio, the All Car Leasing Podcast. Uh, we've uh, there's not been a new episode for a couple of uh, couple of weeks now because we've all been busy with our 69s over at the office. But now we've had a chance to sit down um, and and record a new one. Uh, as you can probably tell from from the title, it's a British themed uh, podcast today. Kicked off pretty much by um, well, Brexit's been in the news non-stop. So uh, and because we've been hearing the word Britain and Brexit over and over again, it did make us sit down and have a think about Brit- where does Britain sit in the world of uh, automotive, uh, motorsport, passenger cars, assembly plants and reputation worldwide. Um, we're all proud to be British. Um, we're a British company, all car leasing. Um, so we wanted to be in the middle of all this Brexit negativ- negativity, we wanted to put out a blog post and a podcast that was positive about everything to do with Britain and automotive. Uh, and it's kicked off by uh, the blog that Chris wrote recently. Uh, Chris, if you want to tell everyone a little bit about the blog. Absolutely. So the blog was about the remaining British car manufacturers because there are actually quite a few out there. They're just not very heard of. I think when you think British car manufacturer, you think Aston Martin, Jaguar Rover, that type of thing. Turns out a lot of the unheard of manufacturers are all sports car makers. Yep. Uh, like classic restoration stuff, kit cars, that type of thing. Uh, but it was interesting having a look back. And a lot of them have been going for a long time, like some even over 80 years. I mentioned earlier about the Brexit negativity. And, you know, you've people have mentioned in the past um, certain plants may close because of Brexit and stuff like that. But the reality is there isn't. there are an awful lot of... British car manufacturers and people may, may think that there aren't many left um, but there are absolute loads and I've got the list here which is which is pretty much taken straight from, from the blog um, I'm not going to go into any detail, just name them um, and I think a lot of people may be surprised about how long this list is so it's in alphabetical order AC Cars Arash, Aerial famous for the Aerial Atom, I think the fastest car on earth yeah, still. Ter- absolutely terrifying to sit in as well. Aston Martin, world famous. Atlanta Motors. BAC, short for Briggs Automotive Company. Bentley, of course. Bristol Cars. Bowler Off-Road. Caterham. I think most people have probably yeah, heard of Caterham at some point. Um, David Brown Automotive, famous for making the, um, modified minis. Eagle, famous for modifying uh, the old Jag E-types. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Jeremy Clarkson is a humongous fan yeah. and uh, named the Eagle E-Type, car of the decade. Elemental Cars, Ginetta, Gardner Douglas Sports Cars, GBS, Jaguar Land Rover, everyone knows that, still make cars in Britain. Mm. You know, I know they're owned now by Tata Motors, but they asked that the cars are, you know, they've still got a rich British history and they are still made in Britain, so I... You know, they are a British manufacturer. That is the case for quite a few of the manufacturers, actually, that their owner is actually foreign or outside the UK. Yeah. But a lot of these, like, big automotive conglomerates, like Tata and Geely, things like that. But they are still British to the core, in, in, in yeah, imagining. Yeah, still manufactured, made over here and designed in Britain. Yeah, the owners haven't obviously pushed um, to make any changes. They want, you know, they, they knew they were buying a British brand and they try to not interfere much, as much as they possibly can. Mm. Um, Jeanette, I think I've already mentioned that. GBS, I'll check around her over. Lister, uh, the London EV company, no, you know, no surprises what they make. Lotus, world famous, still, uh, making changes, um, and p- pushing boundaries in the automotive industry. McLaren, one of the biggest, uh, car manufacturers on the planet, um, and one of the biggest Formula One 
brands on the planet Definitely, flying the British yeah. flag all this time. Still incredibly competitive. MG, you know the the original MG, and now the you know the resurrection like of the rebirth, MG brand. Yeah. Mini, and I know a lot of people will be listening to that thinking, oh, but Mini a BMW, but. Just like Jaguar Land Rover, I know BMW own Mini, but Minis are, most Minis are still made in Britain by British engineers, British designed, you know, it's just that they part share with the German manufacturer. Morgan, another very famous brand. Yeah. Metro Cab, black cab manufacturers, black cabs being one of the most iconic cars on the planet. You know, famous for being London black cabs. Potentially phasing out the old style black cabs in favour of the new electric ones though as well. Noble, another world famous manufacturer. Radical, River Simple, Rolls Royce, uh, TVR, another incredibly famous one. They're having a re- bit of a rebirth now as well. Trident Sports Cars, Ultima, Vauxhall, and people say, oh yeah, Vauxhall, German, Opel, but no, the Astra is made round, no, not r- quite round the corner from us. Well, not, not far, Ellesmere Port, uh, the Astra, quite famous, uh, even though they've been, uh, now bought by PSA, the Astra is still made there. Um, and you can see Vauxhall's um, current uh, van advertisements all over the place. You know, mm-hmm. Great Brit van. They're flying the flag and proud of Britain. Uh, Zenos. And that is a quite a long list. And I know what people are thinking, you know, there aren't as many, um, how would you call them? Passen- main, sh- like main passenger cars, really. Yeah, but British, um, I suppose, history when it comes to automotive I would say the most, they're possibly more famous for motorsport than making passenger cars, and they are still just as famous today, and still make just as many cars and pushing boundaries as they've ever done. Like um, McLaren are just as um, popular or famous in terms of sports cars as they've ever been, and they keep raising the bar each time as well. <clears throat> yeah. So going back to you know one of the reasons why this blog was made was you know. We wanted to, to put something out there that was, um, you know, related to Brexit somewhat, but we wanted to be positive about Britain, that Britain is still right at the forefront of making cars. Um, Touching back on your point before about being proud to be British and things like that, we're only a small country and we represent quite a significant piece of the motor trade in general. Yeah. And uh, with things like Formula One, it's Britain that's still right up there competing with other countries as well. Especially in Formula 1 with McLaren and Williams. And Lotus sometimes as well. Um, but I suppose what the other thing that we wanted to expand on the blog and put on the podcast is um, we wanted to obviously put a positive spin uh, on Britain right now in the middle of this uh, the Brexit stuff. And one of the things that we wanted to do is we've got a list here of all the assembly plants that are in uh, the UK. So we wanted to not just illustrate you know what kind of um, British manufacturers are making cars but in this list is also non-British manufacturers and what plants have they've got in Britain. To really explain the point of where exactly is Britain at at the moment when it comes to automotive as a whole. Yeah and one way we can look at this is the amount of assembly plants we have over here from the major car, car manufacturers. So a big part of them are British manufacturers but there are some that aren't British either, uh, but their manufacturing headquarters are based in the UK, mm. certainly for parts of Europe. So we've got Ariel, Aston Martin, Bentley, BAC, they make their mono there, it's only a small company there. Caterham, of course. Um, we've got General Motors, they have a manufacturing plant in Luton, they mainly do vans down there though, and they did around 77,000 units in a single year. Honda, they're here as well. Yeah, Honda's a pretty big one in Swindon, making the CRV Jazz Civic Civic Type R, 
And I don't think, I've not seen a news article, uh, in, you know, in relation to everything that's going on with Brexit at the moment, has ever mentioned Honda, uh, when it, especially when they're talking about the car industry. But it is, you know, a, a very mass, a massive plant over in Swindon, and they make, you know, the, the mainstream cars over in Britain. So I think they did around 134,000 units in one year. So it's a massive, massive plant. They were sadly set to close in 2021 because they wanted to focus more on the electric vehicle market, I believe. Um, so up next, there's Jaguar Land Rover as well. They have multiple plants over here. Castle Bromwich, Halewood, Solihull. Uh, Leyland Trucks as well. Leyland's a name that was mentioned in the blog, although they're not uh, currently going anymore. Obviously, they've got quite a big history, British Leyland. Uh, there's Lotus, McLaren in Woking, uh, MG Motors as well, they've come back. Mini also have quite a large plant, they did uh, 210,000 units there one year. That was in 2016, those figures are from. And we have Nissan as well, so they're a large manufacturer over here, based in Sunderland at the moment. Well, this is one of the plants that people are talking about that could potentially close, um, but it hasn't. So, you know, there's no point speculating about whether it will or not, until it does. Mm. And, and, you know, at the moment, it hasn't. So they did 507,000 units there. So it would be quite a big blow if we did lose them. And one of the biggest ones in, in the country. Yeah. So following on with that, we've got Rolls-Royce and Toyota, who have just started manufacturing the new Corolla model over here. And then lastly, we've got Vauxhall, as we mentioned before, in Ellesmere Port. Yeah, uh, one that's just around the corner from where I live, pretty much. When we've looked at some uh, motor vehicle production uh, statistics uh, for, for every country, and uh, pardon my French for this, so these stats are from the Organisation Internationale des Constructeurs d'Automobiles. <laughs> uh, the acronym for that is OICA, or OICA. Um, and we're looking at the United Kingdom, who sit at 14th, and this is every country in the world, Looking at the stats now, looking at uh, 2018 all the way back to 2014. Uh, so 2018, we made 1.6 million cars. 2017, 1.7. 2016, 1.8. 2015, 1.6. 2014, 1.5. Uh, the as of last year, the motor production has been as strong as ever. But if well, what if every other is growing and we're staying the same? But it's not. It's not the case. If anything, uh, other countries are in decline, and ours is a bit more stable than usual. So, you know, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, we want to be as positive as we possibly can. And, you know, UK manufacturing vehicle, looking at the statistics year on year, are, are pretty stable. Um, we are making just as many cars as ever. And if there's any, you know, articles out there about negativity, obviously it's, at the moment, it's, it's, it's easier to find an article that has a negative spin. Um, on it at the moment with all the, the, the Brexit stuff. And we'd like to be one of the few that, you know, are trying to be as positive as possibly can. Yeah, obviously, all this is going on, regardless of which side um, of the vote that you sit on. The things that can still be like business as usual. Yeah, and, that, and it looks like it is business as usual. Um, which brings me back now to obviously look at the calibre of the manufacturers the British, British manufacturers have. Obviously, a lot of the mainstream ones are no longer around, you know, the, the maestro and... British Island. Yeah, but if you look at who's left, it's really expensive, exotic cars. I can name two straight away, Bentley and Rolls-Royce. Yeah, two of the top dogs of luxury like, across the world. Yeah, and if you look at, you know, celebrities, they are... Uh, Jackie Land Rover, for, yeah. ex- for, uh, for instance, celebrities are, you know, clamouring over each other for Range Rovers and Land Rovers. 
Bentleys and Rolls Royces. And if we look at the amount, of, you know, the inquiries that we get, the, the new Evoque, the Velar, is one of the most popular vehicles, and they are made in Britain. Yeah. Um, and obviously there is a lot, you know, for, depending on what model you're after, there can be a long wait. And obviously if uh, those manufacturers were struggling to make cars, you know, there wouldn't be a wait. There would just be um, an endless field um, of stock cars just waiting to be purchased. But it's not the case. If anything, those manufacturers are struggling to keep up with the demand. So, you know, it, there's there's a lot, a lot of positivity around, uh, positivity around McLaren and Williams. Still being uh, one of the most successful Formula One manufacturers, you know, of all time. Um, MG, uh, another success story. You know, they they struggled, they shut down, but now they're back. And you are starting to see more and more MGs on the road. That's true, and they've just brought out an electric vehicle as well. So maybe you'd see even more. Yeah. So uh, Britain is uh, messing around. <laughs> say messing around with with the latest technology. Um, obviously, the recent announcement of the James Bond film, and you'll know there's going to be another Aston Martin mm. uh, featured in that, and uh, so that's going to be a bit more popularity and um, you know marketing spin for a British manufacturer. And for the last film, Aston Martin actually made a new car specifically for that film. And it's not the first time that a British car has been featured. Like, it's like the focal point of a film either. I remember the Italian job as well. I mentioned this in the blog. That um, featured three brand new minis at the time, and then it was eventually remade. Three new minis once again, red, white, and blue. Yeah. Um, but back to your point about being proud about Britain and stuff like that, it's not just manufacturing that's over here either. It's also design. There are quite a few foreign companies that have like design HQs over here, so it's not just British companies. Uh, Ford, I think, have a technical centre in Essex. Jaguar and Rover, of course. General Motors... Possibly for some of their old Vauxhall designs. Uh, not to uh, um, well, to interrupt you dead quick there. Um, obviously, we mentioned earlier that even though Tata Motors owns Jaguar, um, they do have their design centres centres in Gaydon and Whitley, which means that you know Jaguar Land Rover is made in Britain, designed uh, by a British company. Mm-hmm. Um, it couldn't really be more of a uh, British company, uh, a British car, except for being owned. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, Nissan as well. So I suppose that goes along with their manufacturing plant they have over here. And then there's the independent firms like Gordon Murray Design, International Automotive Design, Ogle Design, Peter Stevens Designs, and Shado, which is by Stephen Harper. Yeah, and to continue the trend of obviously being as positive as we can um, about Britain, and it's, you know, so far we are about just over 10 minutes of straight just talking about how great Great Britain is in terms of cars. Um, one of the things that probably is most famous for um, in terms of automotive and Great Britain is motorsport, with Britain quite often being at the forefront uh, in terms of motorsport, winning cars, winning drivers, um, and all the rest of it. Um, in particular, obviously, Formula One. Um, we've got several uh, Formula One uh, tracks um, throughout history. Um, we've got more than one um uh, Formula One team with their headquarters actually in England. Um, I'm going to give some examples here. The Haas F1 team in Banbury, McLaren, Woking, Mercedes AMG Formula One team, obviously being a German brand, mm-hmm. but their actual HQ is in Brackley. Racing Point Force Indian Silverstone, Red Bull Racing in Milton Keynes, Renault in Enstone, Williams Grand Prix Engineering in Grove. So, you know, amidst all this negativity going on about, you know, with car industry, you know what? There's not an awful lot to actually be negative about Great Britain. Is you know at the top of the chain when it comes to cars. Um, 
Formula engine supply, um, uh, sorry, Formula One engines have been supplied in Cosworth, uh, and the Mercedes AMG engines are being made in Brixworth. So obviously, the, uh, so the last podcast, the last podcast was a German spin, but in fact, you could say that the Mercedes AMG Formula One car is actually a British car. Mm. Um, I'm sure a lot of uh, controversial, eh? a controversial mm. opinion, but obviously we, you know, we're just reading off Wikipedia more or less. Yeah. Um, and a few other famous motorsport teams. Uh, list the cars, Carlin Motorsport, the Ford World Rally Team, based in Cumbria, uh, Ilmo Engineering in Brixworth, M-Sport, not to be confused with M-Sport of BMW in Cockermouth. This, this one's a Ford one, I think. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few vans uh, in our area. Um, ProDrive in Banbury, RML Group in Wilmborough, Stracker Racing in Northamptonshire, Sumo Power and Rye, Team Dynamics in Pershaw, Triple Eight Racing in Buntingford. I, honestly, and I could I could just go on and on. So the UK aren't just big on cars, they're also quite big on superbikes, or just motorbikes in general. So there's a quick excerpt from Wikipedia here, Old Faithful. So Silverstone Circuit currently hosts a round of MotoGP, while Donington Park hosts the Superbike World Championship. Britain's Leslie Graham won the inaugural Grand Prix Motorcycling World Championship in 1949. Jeff Duke, John Surtees, and Mike Halewood, hope I've not... Um, Butchered those names. All won multiple world titles during the 1950s and the 60s. Phil Reed was world champion in 1973 and 74, while Barry Sheen won back-to-back titles in 1976 and 1977. Britain has struggled in the top 500cc MotoGP class since then, with only Cal Crutchlow winning any races. And who can forget, you know, Cal Fogarty in the 90s and the 2000s winning practically everything and flying the fly for Britain in superbikes. Uh, moving on to rallying, I mean, who can forget Colin McRae and mm-hmm. his dominance with the with the Imprezza um, uh, circuits? For example, there are a more a lot of uh, motor racing circuits in the um, in Britain. Aintree Motor Racing Circuit, Anglesey Circuit, right around the corner from where I uh, where I'm from originally. Brands Hatch, Cadwell Park, Castle Combe Circuit, Croft Circuit, Donington, Goodwood. One of the most famous motorsport festivals in the world. Knockhill Racing Circuit, Little Hill Race Circuit, Mallory Park, Alton Park, Pembury Circuit, Silverstone that we mentioned, Snetterton, Thruxton, the Santa Pod Raceway. There's also the Three Sisters in Wigan, which is quite close to us as well. Yeah, so another reason why Britain is at the forefront of automotive and something for uh, for everyone to be proud of. In terms, you know, if you're even remotely a fan of any sort of motorsport, and obviously we. I want to remind everyone that the point of this podcast is, amidst you know all of the negativity to the Brexit at the moment, with us being in the automotive industry, we want to take an opportunity to be positive, um, regardless of um, you know where anyone stands uh, in terms of the vote itself. That Britain and cars is fantastic, and you know regardless of what happens in the future, I think we will continue to be fantastic as well. Which I suppose brings me to the to the final point on the elephant of the room when it comes to to Brexit. And if anyone's tuning into this podcast to find out where all car leasing or even us podcasters stand on the issue, then you're going to be dif- disappointed because obviously we are impartial and it doesn't really matter what we uh, what we think. All we uh, aim to do is, regardless of what happens on whatever date, that we will continue um, to give as good of a service as ever and to champion. Um, obviously, British service, because that is essentially mm. what we're offering. So, um, and one of the other points that I wanted to, to bring up is if anyone's wondering, you know, 
what could potentially happen to their lease deals at the moment. We don't rightly know. But as soon as we know anything to the customers or if if we feel that um, whatever is coming uh, in terms of Brexit and it will affect our customers, we'll obviously write a blog post and possibly a one-off uh, podcast to help our customers uh, to, to navigate you know, whatever is going to happen. But whether, you know, but once Brexit is done, uh, will this be the opportunity for British manufacturers to thrive more? I'd say so, yeah. But a lot of the car manufacturers we've seen are obviously quite high ticket or sports cars. It's not really relevant to the general public. But I think people like Vauxhall, Land Rover, you know, passenger car manufacturers, I think they're going to see some, some changes. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, speculating just, just a little bit is, you know, obviously what people, what could potentially be affected by Brexit is obviously imports. Uh, coming into the country, but the reality is, for the uh, the massive amount of assembly plants and the and the British manufacturing brands that we've got here, um, you know, they don't they won't really have to worry about any import fees. And we are talking not just obviously British manufacturers. We mentioned earlier um, the likes of Nissan, who have a plant here. Mini, technically, they are BMW owned, so they're not really going to be affected. And there are is a lot of interest in cars. Uh, obviously, we can't share any sensitive information over podcast or, or, or in the blog as that much. But that is telling you that the interest uh, from customers to lease a car this close to Brexit is as strong as ever. And in fact, we mentioned it right at the beginning of the podcast. We are particularly busy, and this was one of the reasons why we, we made this podcast in the first place. So one of the things that obviously uh, is always in the back of our mind is, if you were to avoid the media circus, because in our opinion, you know, regardless of what side you are, the media have some kind of a vest, some media have a vested interest in one result and the other in the other. But if you were to ignore the media and just um, speak to your friends or something like that. You know, people need cars regardless of Brexit. It doesn't really matter whether we're in the EU or not in the EU. You need a car to get in and out of work. And I have absolute faith that, you know, we will deal with it, whatever the consequence. And we are being as positive as we possibly can here. We want to make sure that, you know, our customers, you know, if you want a car, don't let something like this, you know, change your mind. If there was any reason why we think that you should be worried, we would tell you, and we're on this podcast now, and let us tell you, we are not worried. I recently took out a lease myself, and hundreds and thousands of our customers are taking leases right now, and none of them are even ever bringing up the B word, and, you know, we don't think anyone should particularly be worried. So, we wanted to reiterate that at the moment we feel that Britain is regardless of the negativity that's out there, it is in a, you know, has got a massive amount of positive history behind it. And the situation that we're in at the moment is all, you know, overwhelmingly positive. Britain makes the fastest car on the planet. A lot of the uh, biggest cars on earth are being designed by British manufacturers. Hundreds and thousands of cars are being made in Britain every year. Yeah, so by no means is this a Brexit podcast. It's merely just a, a look back at you know the UK's history with automotive and perhaps where things will go in the future. So as Ronnie said, we just wanted to send out some positivity about the auto trade in the UK amidst all the doom and gloom, things like that, and long may it continue. 
So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Um, now this is the time where I usually go through my deals of the week. So the two I've got this time start off with uh, a British classic. We've got the Jaguar XF portfolio. Uh, that starts from £305 a month with a 2753 deposit. And then there's the e-golf, which is a very good deal at the moment with uh, new reductions from Volkswagen. So that's now £221 a month with a £2,000 deposit. I'll leave a link to the deals in the show notes below. But thank you for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one.